The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Philly. To your favorite sports show, hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart, they're sexy, and they're all Philly. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome into episode number 79 of Babes on Broad. I'm Sam Stafford with my co-host Jesse Taylor and we are the Babes on Broad brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. What a week it's been in Philadelphia and just all across in sports in general. There's been a lot going on in the NFL, NBA and baseball is finally back. Got my singing voice out because I'm so happy about it, Jess. I know. But You sing when you're happy. I always do. I can't help it. <laughs> but, but we'll start with NFL, as always. And the biggest news to come out with that this week was probably the Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay news. So did that shock you at all? I just, I, I mean, it didn't shock me. I just, I, I'm like getting kind of tired of watching this like you know, saga, which is basically, it's like watching one of your friends break up and make up with the same toxic guy over and over and over again. And you're, you, you, at first you're trying to be there and you're invested and you're supportive and you try to understand both sides and you you try, you try to be that good friend. And now you just really don't care what happens anymore. And it's pretty <laughs> irrelevant in your life. So that's sort of where I am with it. Like I, I see that. I think that fits the situation, but the fact, I mean, obviously his contract, he hasn't officially signed yet, so it hasn't come out. But that rumor of him potentially getting $20 million over four years, which they said isn't happening. But if he got anything close to that, I'd be like, you know what? I'd stay for that too. Yeah. It's I'd four years and it's $20 million. $200 million. <laughs> Or two. That's what I meant. Sorry. I was like, I mean, I... I- I would still be 20 million. I am in life. Yeah, I would still stay for four years and 20 million. That's different. But yeah, that's more our level, Jess. Sure. 
But also, I, I wonder, I wonder if he was so set on leaving and being done and getting out of there. I wonder what the the market genuinely looked like for him. Like, I wonder how limited his options really were based on a lot of different factors with him. Um, because, you know, it seemed for a while like Denver was where he was going to end up, not, you know, Russell Wilson, which was the other, you know, big yeah. news of the week was Russ being traded to, to the Broncos. But, you know, it seemed like that was going to be, be the one that made the flip there. And you wonder, you know, what Green Bay w- would have, w- was being asked to give up if it was, you know, comparable to what, what they, you know, what they, what, you know, the, the Broncos gave up, you you just don't know. So, um, you know, I, I know that the Packers, you know, kept saying, you know, they wanted to make it work with Aaron. They wanted to make it work with Aaron, but they also have been reluctant to give him this kind of money reluctant to give him this big contract, especially because of his age. I know he's not old, but in NFL years, he is. Um, and four years is a lot for I think, that age. I think um, Green Bay with Aaron winning MVP this year, I think that's really what made them cross that tipping point and be like, okay, we should sure. pay this guy. He's an MVP this year. But in your case with Denver, how you were talking about them, I thought that that's where he was going to go just from a fit perspective. Like, I just think he totally fits with the Colorado vibe. So I was like, if he has this choice, that's where he, I see him going. You know what I mean? Like personality wise, but yeah, the Russ deal, like you said, like they are Denver's all about, um, I mean, Seattle's all about rebuilding and everything. And Denver was just looking to bring in somebody. So it worked out for both teams in that fact. I just, I, I really don't understand from, from Seattle's perspective. I, I mean, and, and even you think about, you know, so think about like the noise that, that Aaron Rodgers created, right? You think about the amount of BS that surrounded him and this whole situation and, you know, the, the amount of attention negatively that, that he drew with this situation and his you know, not showing up last year and then showing up and then, you know, the whole theatric. His mouth. Of it, his mouth. Yeah. But, but that, like the whole saga of it all, right. That's not what happened with, with Russell Wilson. He's, he's the clear opposite, right? Like he, the he, guy you want to lead your team. Right. He doesn't cause ripples. He doesn't cause waves. He's a great teammate. He's a good leader. He's, you know, a, a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback as well. Like, you know, there's time Pro Bowl selection. Right. And, you know, potential, you know, Hall of Fame guy, right? And obviously so is Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, all Russell Wilson wanted was to have some sort of say in the talent that was put around him or the pieces that were put around him. And they couldn't simply just give him that. I and just, that should be a given, too, for almost any veteran quarterback that has – standings or stature if you will as Russ does and Aaron does both of them should have had a lot more say and I wonder if Aaron negotiated that in his deal because that always was a problem they never spoke to him before they make their draft selections or pull in free agents or anything yeah and it should be a given in my mind like when you have a veteran that's proven that much to your franchise but 
It for some reason they weren't. And that was a big problem in both relationships with their former team. Well, Russ's former teams and Aaron's current team. It's all about, I mean, it's, it, I just can't stand general managers and ownership. I just think collectively they're all too power hungry and it just, it, it's yeah. not conducive to, to anything. They, see, they purely see it as a business instead of actually loving the game and being right. a business owner. And I think the players understand on to some extent that it's a business, but at the end of the day, when is business best when you're on top? Yeah. So if you're going to do dumb things and make dumb moves and you're not going to do enough to support the high, the top tier of talent you have on your team with more top tier talent or close to, to be able to elevate to that top spot, business is not going to be the best, right? Especially in the market. I know that, you know, Packers fans, for example, are extremely loyal and, you know, everything like that. You know, you can't say you know negative things in that respect about Packers fans, but it's not a, you know, it's not a big market team in the, in, you know, free agency, people don't want to move to Wisconsin and people don't want to play in Wisconsin in December. Yeah. It sucks. And Which that's is confusing too, just because Aaron, you kind of saw it in the playoffs last year. He wasn't looking good in the cold. He was missing targets. His arm wasn't as strong and he wasn't hitting those Hail Marys like he used to. And right. you got to wonder if it's because the cold's catching up to him with his age. Right. So I, I get that. So you need you need to do something to be able to attract still, yeah, attract talent and and keep yourself keep yourself on top. And I just think that when you don't give when your quarterback is a an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson and you don't give them that simple I feel like that's such a simple thing to mm-hmm. say yeah like would love to have you in the room for for these kinds of discussions decisions if they're going between trading for player A or player B or drafting player A or player B shouldn't the deciding factor be Russell Wilson saying I want player B Okay, great. I mean, that's what makes sense. Or at least just have them in the room. And even if you don't care, like as from a business standpoint, just act like you care and let them think they have a say. Yeah. But they weren't even willing to do that. Yeah. So those are the two biggest pieces of news from the NFL this week. But then there are a couple others that directly impact the Eagles and their Eagles upcoming plans potentially, as well as, upcoming season seasons in the future oh my goodness yeah I was gonna say this might be the biggest trade that ended up coming out for us for in us. Philadelphia personally, not nationally for for having a personal stake in the matter yes yes so Carson Wentz was traded to the Washington football team commanders no names always irrelevant no one gives a you know what, what it's cracking me up all the memes i'm seeing of commander carson i i just I can't i they don't deserve a name so they are the washington football team until further notice <laughs> um but so uh, yeah so carson wentz twice a year huh yeah well it's so funny because there were some rumors about this like a few weeks for a few weeks before it happened and Dion, my husband, was like, no way that happens, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I actually can see it happening. Like, because Carson, he didn't have the best relationship when he left here with the organization. 
Right. And I was like, I could see him kind of just being like, F you. You know what I mean? And his whole situation with the Colts. But he has no he he has no control over this. Where Yeah, but I mean he could have just But let, let me, me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you that this let me ask you this. Okay, so you're you're the Indianapolis Colts, right? And you look at the what happened here with everything that unfolded collectively with Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, the organization, mm-hmm. the mess that it was, right? You're Frank Reich and you say, you know what? Let's get him out of there. He, you're going to take that chance on him. And that makes sense, right? You trade whatever picks, you bring him in there. Makes sense. You're the Washington football team and you watch what he did last year. What sense does that make? Yeah. And that's and absorbing his entire contract. They're taking yeah. on everything. They're paying a lot. It's like 26 million next year alone, I think. Yeah. Like this upcoming year. But what um, sense does that make? Yeah. And I, I mean, it really does suck for Carson's case because he really does have talent. And I mean, obviously he has the intangibles. He's 6'5", 240, has great arm. You know what I mean? So like he has everything there and it's still just a mystery. And it, I mean, we saw it against the Colts last year. It's like he just broke under pressure. And I I don't understand why Washington still has so, that much faith that like he could be the Carson we saw back in 2017. Yeah. But like, maybe it's just hard from what they they got. From. Yeah, right. They know what they've seen, Jess. Okay, <laughs> they don't pay attention to anything else. Obviously, oh, no. But like, it, it is confusing to me because like I want Carson to be the Carson Wentz we once thought he was, but yeah. he really just is not panning out to be that. And like the more and more we see of him. It makes me question more and more how the Super Bowl against Tom Brady would have went if Carson was there. You know what I mean? Like, thankfully, we don't have to worry about that. Thankfully. But I mean, I'm just saying, like, I used to be like, no, like, Carson, like, he could play as bad as he wants, and I'm going to see him as 2017 Carson. Now it's kind of just like, well, I think maybe this is the real Carson, and 2017 Carson might have been the fluke. Sure. I still, I don't. I, I I completely hold firm that I think the Eagles organization as a whole and ownership management there. I mean, there's still the morons in this situation, no matter how you look at it, because yeah. at the, end of the day he either, either this is who he is and they traded him and, you know, did a good thing by offloading that, but also they still gave him that contract. Mm-hmm. They still paid him that money. So somewhere just Either a couple way, months before. We've talked about it at length. Howie Roseman is phenomenal working the cap. He's phenomenal at executing trades. When it comes to talent evaluation. Yes. Oh my God, you might as well let a toddler do it. Yes. You might as well like let the, do you remember the, the playoff Corgi that was around for the NBA last year? Do you remember that at all? No. There was literally like a, a Corgi that would like, run down the stairs oh that would go a direction and that was like you know that's that's the game that people would bet that's on so cute. I didn't even see that yeah no that's how the Eagles would be better off making draft selections and making their decisions with the way that Howie Roseman evaluates talent so yeah. that's you know essentially it but 
I so either way, you know, the Eagles are at fault in some capacity, and I do think that there was a you know a lot of really messed up stuff that happened. Yeah, like Carson was not um, treated properly in that situation, and I still hold firm on that. And same with with Doug Peterson, yeah, getting fired. Whatever. I I think that year collectively, I I do think that. There. I'm so excited to see Dougie P on that note in ja- uh, Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. Don't they play here? They play here this year. The Is Jags- it here? I know they play him. I don't remember. No, I think the there. Jags come here and went and and like he's gonna that's he's cool. gonna get a lot of love and that's that's, that's gonna be fun. So that impacts the Eagles directly. Obviously, yes. see him twice a year. A couple other things. We'll run through these quickly and then we'll kind of touch on them. So um, Jason Kelsey's back. We love mm-hmm. that. Very excited. Um, Jordan Hicks was released by the Arizona Cardinals who played. I thought of you right away. Oh, I swear to God. If they, don't, <laughs> they need to draft a linebacker in the first round and bring me Jordan Hicks. And I won't say a bad word about Howie Roseman for a full 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we've been talking about how the Eagles need to add a veteran wide receiver to this receiver room. Two of the guys that I think were at the top of the list for most people were Chris Godwin and Devontae Adams. Both were franchise tagged this week. So, Staying with the Bucks, staying with the Packers. Yes. And real quick, I think that also played a huge key in Aaron saying he's going back to Green Bay and the fact that Devontae Adams, they franchised him. So, yeah, I think that definitely definitely worked in tandem. And then one more wide receiver piece of news that was another person that the Eagles were almost in possession of. Um, Calvin Ridley suspended whole season for betting on the Atlanta Falcons. I think that regardless of the fact that he it's against the rules to bet against a team, like bet against your team specifically or, or gamble on your sport. I I understand that, but I think he should be suspended for betting on the Atlanta Falcons to win. (laughs) Just, just because faith in his friends. No, it is that whole situation. It's tough because you look at it and you're like, okay, NFL, I understand the fact because he's suspended for at least the 2022 season. And yeah. it may be more. I don't see it being more. But um, it sucks in the fact that, like, you understand why it had to be that harsh. Because it's really the first time that they're catching anybody doing it. Since, blah, blah, yeah, blah. since, like, sports betting has been become so accessible and legal. You know what I mean? So What? It's been three years? It took three years for a suspension. Yeah. Well, people are probably just being smarter. I don't think people are betting. But, I mean, he so he was just dumb. And I, I do think that, like, the NFL did have to have a tough thing so that people don't go and, like, you know what I mean? Like, he essentially spent $1,500 on a couple parlays and lost $10 million now because he's sure. missing this whole season. Right. So I think that it does really make sure that it's not going to happen. But – like when you just look at the whole situation, you're like, damn, like he wasn't even playing at the time. They confirmed that he didn't use any insider information. He was like away. the whole situation is just like, it's not like it was a Pete Rose thing back in the day where one sports betting was illegal anyway, but sure. two where he was betting on the game he was actively playing in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so like, it does suck in that back. Cause you're like, damn, like part of me wants to be like, yeah, if he's not using insider information and he's not, on the team at that current moment or he's out injured like why not yeah and and you know we've we've talked about it social media's talked about it the world's been talking about it at length this is you know 
all of the different horrific things that NFL players have done and gotten slaps on the wrist for, and you place a bet exactly that on a team that you're away from no insider information, not actively playing for, and you bet on them to win and you, you get suspended automatic, like a year, like from the jump immediately, you, you start with a year and you look at where they started for Ray Rice. Yeah. Well, Jess, that's what boggles my mind too, because like, like I just said, they confirmed he used no insider information. He wasn't even playing at the time. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't with the team. It was at a hard rock in Florida that he placed the bet right. or bets. But, um, so like that whole situation. And then, like you said, then you look at the terrible domestic abuse situations and there's actually videos of this happening and it's not even like a he said she said and you could even try to play off like well we don't know how bad it was like no you saw ray rice beat the shit out of his girlfriend or wife and he got two games yeah yeah and it it is just so roger goodell watched a video of ray rice knocking his fiance out cold and dragging her out of the elevator and said eh two games is enough but you place a legal bet I get it's against your rules, but yeah. it's a legal bet one year immediately. No, like start at one year. Yeah. And it, it's it, man, it is. That's the biggest problem I think out of it. Cause it's like, okay, one year, like I'll let you, like, I'm not even going to fight that. I do think the situation's kind of like in that gray zone, but they just want to make it a clear black or white. Don't do it. Sure. You know what I mean? And so like fine. I can, yeah. What? And that's fine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's fine. That's what I'm saying. So I understand that. I'm like, okay, Roger, like, do what you want to do with that. I'm not even mad he got one year just for that. Like, I'm like, okay. But when you compare it to the domestic violence suspensions, I think that's when it really causes kind of that, like, not, I don't know, maybe outrage to some people. Yeah. Because it, it I mean, it should, because it's like, it actively makes what? me angry because yeah. exactly what you said, especially not that, you know, just, you know, without a video, it's any better, but the fact that he sat there, watched the video that we all have seen and said, okay, two games is enough. And this is, you know, it just, it, it, it's, it's, it just it's, doesn't make sense. Cause you're like, if you want to stop sports betting so much, you put in this harsh penalty, when Ray Rice, who was one of the first to do it, at least that I can remember, at least in my chronological mind, yeah. he was one of the first to do this. And instead of setting that type of president for, or precedence for domestic violence, you were like, ah, slap on the wrist, right. which just basically set it up and showed everybody that it wasn't that serious. And it, you know what I mean? Like yep. you care about stopping sports betting so much more than domestic violence is messed up. You care about stopping sports betting so much. Don't involve it in your sport. Yeah, don't pay them millions of dollars. That won't make them enough money. That'll lose them money. They yeah. make too much money from it, so they exactly. have to get in there. That's, yeah, stop that's paying them. The problem. Stop paying them millions of dollars unless it's sports or park sportsbook. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take it a is a thing, yeah. We come back. We're gonna talk about the NBA. What's going on there, especially with the Sixers after the game they played last night against the Brooklyn Nets gag, and. Then the MLB is back, and we're going to let Sam sing Mm -hmm. about it a little bit more. (laughs) You're listening to the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to episode number 79 of Babes on Broad. So as Jess said, MLB is back, baby, and I'm so excited. Unofficially, things start today. I think it's voluntary, voluntary, I can't say it, voluntary um, report today because everything just happened yesterday. But officially, I think it begins next Thursday, the 17th of March. And guys have like three days to report. You get physicals, you set everything up, blah, blah, blah. And then it officially starts the 17th. But unofficially, a lot of players are beginning today because they were, most of them were already down there anyway, waiting for everything to happen. So that's so exciting. Baseball's back. The sun is shining today. It's going to be 55, and it's just the happiest moment I've had in so long. And I'm excited. Yeah, and it's it's just so stupid. It's so stupid how long it took to get here. I agree. And what it took to get here. And you saw it from, I think Jeff Passan tweeted the the breakdown of the votes from last night, like talking about the new, yeah. uh, the new CBA. But like it. If the players wanted to play, their votes were like 26 to four in favor of the agreement just because they wanted to play. And like the elected leaders were 8-0 against it. Like, well, and just, and that, it also like, it kind of makes you think you're like, ah, eh, like were those elective guys, like, were they just starting to get too caught up in it for the fact that right here I have, it was the most historic economic gains that the ML players Associ- or MLB players association has ever gotten. So they got a 20 million raise in the 2022 luxury tax threshold alone. And then, so that's the biggest single year increase in the tax threshold history. And then it's $129.5,000 raise on the minimum salaries for MLB players. So that's another record right there and the biggest increase in a year. And then the pre-arb players will receive a hundred million dollar increase in that pool. So it's just, it's like, I mean, you can't even argue it. It's just like the guys that voted eight and oh, you're just like, we understand you were fighting for the right, but you also have to take a step back. And I like that the players being able to vote actually outdid that. Yeah. I mean, there was a good point made by, I actually think it also might've been Jeff Basson when he talked about, if you were to take the net, like eliminate all of the current MLB players, every single team's 40 man roster and bring in the next best, you know, a thousand players that, you know, the next best thousand players, the sport and the product would suffer immensely. But if you were to scrap all 30 owners or GMs or whatever, and just bring in 30 of the next best businessmen, 
nothing there would suffer. And I think that's the best point. I agree. I don't know what the owners and thought they were, they had in their court, what bargaining chips they thought they had or what power or leverage. They never had anything and they were just being such an aggressive pain for absolutely. And and that's why it is so frustrating because like they get such a huge piece of the pie. Obviously like it's billion dollars of revenue that these guys are pulling in throughout a season. You know what I mean? Granted, it's not, that's not net what they're pocketing, but like they're bringing in all of this and they do net the biggest off of the baseball season, obviously. And that's why they want to do it. And so important to own it or such a big piece to own a team. But like, yeah, like you said, literally they would have nothing without the players. Like that is the product. It's not the owners. It's not the franchise name itself. It's the players. Right. It's, it's like, like right now the Phillies are not, I mean, think about how bad the Phillies were for 10 years and how little tickets cost. There was a game. I went to a game. I want to say it was 2018 and it was the Saturday afternoon of Memorial day weekend. It was beautiful out. It was a four o'clock game. Aaron Nola was pitching and I got ticket a ticket for $4. $4 because the Phillies were that bad. Yeah. Okay? The Phillies were that bad. They signed Bryce Harper. All of a sudden, the stadium's full again. Yeah. Okay? It has nothing to do with ownership. It has nothing to do with anything they're doing. So or, true. Or anything like that. It's Because baseball's a long season, right? Obviously, yeah. When the Eagles are bad, the stadium's still full because there's eight games a year that you're able to go to. Exactly. It's a very different kind of situation. Compared to 80. The were were, you know, going 10 and 72. It was fairly empty in there, right? And now it's it's packed to see them play. Mm -hmm. It changes based on that and then obviously the length of the season. But, you know, there were a couple games in there where the Philly Stadium was almost sold out and it had nothing to do with anything other than Bryce Harper being present in a Phillies uniform. Tickets are more expensive when teams come to town like the San Diego Padres, who have big other names on Mm -hmm. their When the Los Angeles Dodgers come to town, those are the guys that people want to see. When the Angels come to town, these guys with the big names in the sport, that's who people want to go see. You make your money because people want to see these specific players play people are in the stands more on nights that Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler are pitching more so than when Vince Velasquez was pitching you know what I mean so it's it's a big difference and it has nothing to do with anything other than the players no and you're so right and that's why it does make me so happy with all the increases that they were able to get and I understand like yes they technically should even get more and that's what the eight executives were probably trying to fight for, but it's also like there's more time. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to get everything and you can't make everything completely fair within the, what they had technically, I think it was 90 days of a lockout, but they didn't even talk until like 50 days ago. So they didn't talk until like, yeah. yeah. So like you can't make everything completely right and fair within 50 days, but I think they did obviously take a huge step. And then obviously, or not obviously, some other big rule changes that went on before we move on to the NBA. 
the playoffs were expanded to 12 teams, which is what the players wanted. So they did get that. And so the 14, 14, 14 team playoffs, that's hard. Yeah, 14 that's team that's playoffs. Jeez. And then we do have universal DH. So that'll make the day- game better. That's exciting. Um, nine inning games like that, for the Say I know again. people. I know people were really against the universal DH. I do really like that because it's it's it makes it so much more interesting than an automatic out for. Well, no, for and that's why. So to go along with that, they also ban the shift, which I'm completely in favor for. Also, because everybody's like, "Oh, well, that's part of the game." Blah blah blah. Nowadays, and I'm like, "No, that's part of the analytics game, which takes the fun out of everybody." Just swing in the hardest or as hard as they can at the ball because they're just trying to get little dribblers where nobody are. I can't talk today. Is our my grandma's coffee? Are you done your coffee? No, I I can't I've been talking. I can't drink it. Yeah. You need and you're gonna need a second cup, it sounds like (laughs) yeah, right. It's been a long week. I, I do think I think they got some good things in there. Um to just I think they I think the other part of it is you know, unfortunately, there are people that love baseball and there are, are people that don't care at all about baseball and get bored with baseball and get tired with baseball. And today's society does not play well with. No, it's, it's too slow of a game for a lot of people. And I know for me personally, like I love watching the Phillies play. I'll watch the Phillies play every day. I can't just turn on any baseball game and watch any baseball game. I can turn on any football game. I can turn on almost any basketball game. I can't I, unless it's playoff baseball. Yeah. Well, yeah. Playoffs are always different. And I agree. And baseball is kind of like golf in a way too, where like a lot of people are just nostalgic about it. Like I love, even if I'm not watching the game, I'm just one of those people that loves having a baseball game on in the background because it just makes me happy hearing the deep like playoff or play-by-play guys voice like T-Mac and like just those, it's just nostalgic to me. Yeah. And like, that's why it's just so important that they got it back. I'm just happy. We'll yeah. see. Hopefully they keep doing things to make the game more popular, but we'll see. But I, and that's exactly what I think they did. I think they made the right decisions yes. to c- try to continue to capture more of more of an audience that is more widespread than, you know, just people supporting their team and more watching more games and, and getting interested in the sport in general and not just their team specifically. I agree. And I mean, and that's the thing is offense is what's going to bring this game back and make it more exciting. And that's what they're working towards. So they're moving in the right direction. Okay, Jess, take us into NBA. It was so exciting for some. So the last time we recorded an episode, last time we talked, James Harden had literally just been traded to Philadelphia. He hadn't played a game yet. We were coming up on the all-star break. We were pumped. Couldn't wait to see you were wearing a beard. It was very, (laughs) um, so what we have, what have we learned? Um, when they're on, they're on and unstoppable. And when they're not, oh, sweet Lord, please send help. Send so much help. So they had some good wins in there of team playing really well. I know people are like, oh, they only beat the Timberwolves, but the Timberwolves are the best team in the NBA since the all-star break. Yeah. Um, they're, I think like seven and one or something. And that one is the giant L to the Sixers. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they, they've played some played well against some good teams or, or teams playing well um, against the Brooklyn Nets. However, Um, so what we can say, hopefully with some sort of confidence is that um, 
the Sixers are not going to shoot 25% from the floor while the opposing team shoots 70% from the floor too many more times. Now, if the Sixers continue to play the pathetic style of defense they played last night, that could happen. That's what I was just going to say. I Last night was a terrible, terrible letdown, I think, because everybody was just hyped that Ben Simmons was coming back. I mean, it's the Nets, so obviously you have KD and all that. But I, I'm not stressing as much as I think everybody else is. No. But also I- a lot of people spent, like, a lot of money to go to that game. So I understand those people that are upset about their performance. When that trade went down, the first thing Joe said to me was, let's get tickets, let's go. I did the same thing. I looked up tickets immediately. His card wouldn't go through because there were so many people trying to buy tickets at the same time. And I was like, you know what? Why don't we just wait on it? See if there's like the day of what they look like. Because sometimes like within a couple hours of game time, they drop really. So I was like, Let's just like see what happens. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. (laughs) Because also like, why was I going to drop that money if he was straight up not even going to be on True, exactly. Like, yep. Why was I, why were we going to do drop, you know, $200 per ticket? And then, you know, we live far now. So drive in, pay for parking, pay for food because I am perpetually hungry. (laughs) And then, you know, drive all the way back late. You know, like there was a lot that went into it. So I was like, let's see what happens. Thank God. I thought the same thing. Thank God. Because that, I would have been such an angry human being. I would have been, so I was frustrated with them last night, but I would have been actively angry. I And I think you, sh- like being frustrated is warranted after that game, but the people that are like going to the ledge or jumping off the bridge, I'm like, okay, relax. Like yeah. if we're going to lose to the Nets, like I'm happy with that, if anything too, because that's going to give them some fire under their ass the next time that we play the Nets. 100%. So I think the, the there's there's a couple concerning points in within that game, mm-hmm. right? Like it's one game in the grand scheme of things. It's a long season still. You know, they still have a lot of games left. The Nets are fighting for their life right now, yeah. right? We get that. Fine. The, there, the couple things are, you know, Joel wasn't great shooting-wise. Fine. One game. Still got to the line 20 times. Great. Tyrese Maxey was essentially non-existent last night. And even in the, you know, Danny Green didn't play. George Niang was like non-existent as well. Matisse Thibel, you know, I, you keep him around for his defense and he's on and he's off and that's fine. But, you know, keep in mind that if they would have traded him, like what that defense also would have looked like without him. Yeah. So, you know, their, their perimeter defense is not good when you have multiple guys like Kyrie and Kevin Durant able to do the things that they do. The biggest concern in my opinion is the biggest argument against James Harden is in his career up to this point is he crumbles in the moment. I agree. That is my concern too. Games and last night he was three for seventeen from the floor. All he did was you know complain about foul calls that he didn't get, and you know he he did not embrace the moment. You know, like I think that had they still lost, fine, but it looked like nobody but Joel Embiid had a fire or will, or want to, to be on the floor in the Wells Fargo Center last night. And with, and I understand that the fans, I think, built it up way further than any 
players did. I think Seth Curry had some personal feelings going into last night, which is a shame because we were all really upset to let Seth Curry go. Like, exactly. Yeah. We didn't want him to be included. And we were like, I was like, please stop taking this out on us. Maybe it's more about his father-in-law. Maybe he's like, yeah, dad-in-law. I wonder if there's like, like, if there's like tension because of that <laughs> family did like, how does that even work? Um, but yeah, so I think that, but like, I think he came in with a, a personal motivation. I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie, like there was no love lost there with James Harden, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, and I think Joel Embiid had his personal feelings about, you know, Ben Simmons being on the bench, seeing Ben Simmons, whatever. Yeah. I also think Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid gets really amped when he gets to play Kevin Durant. And, you know, they've talked at length on different podcasts and shows and things about the respect. Praising each other. Yeah. And, you know, it, they're, they're always going to talk trash. And I, I love when they get in each other's faces. I love that the refs let them do it, let it happen, let them play because it wasn't negative. I mean, I think they know, respect each other when it comes down to like the core of it. So it is just purely do. game emotion. Yeah. So I, and, and I think, but like, other than that, it was a really sad and pathetic performance across the board from the Sixers. And I think we almost as fans with everything that went into that game, like that trade went down, that that date yeah. got circled. Like we built that up. We almost did it to ourselves and set ourselves up for this kind of disappointment. But you expect at least a little bit better in a playoff environment than what you got. And I think that's extremely disappointing compared with the fact that James Harden really crumbled and again yeah. one game you know not not gonna you know overreact to it but that is the biggest complaint about him in his career and that is the concerning point going forward yes I agree after last night that was the probably the thing that I was most worried about just because of the fact that it has been a reoccurring thing in his career so it has had me just like eh, like I hope this isn't a consistent thing but also I'm kind of optimistic in the fact that because it's Joel that Harden's going to be with, I'm thinking JoJo, maybe he can pull it out of him and maybe he can get it out of him just because he has such of that like hype man, like positive way yeah. of bringing it out. He's not going to like be in your face. Like, I mean, he might be in your face, like rightfully so like, you know what I mean? But he's not going to be that attitude that's talking trash on you or throwing shade that's unwarranted you know what I mean like he does right. things in the right way so I'm hoping that Jojo can pull him out of that and kind of just build him up and bring him along and I think that the other part of that is in his career up to this point Harden's had to be the guy right like yes. he's had to be the guy to rely on in those game seven situations and you know you you there are several game seven situations I guess with you know against the Warriors with when he was with the Rockets he was on his own and I know there was the year he had Chris Paul but that's when Chris Paul got hurt in game six so he didn't play six or seven and it was on James Harden I think six was when Clay, Clay went off for you know God knows how many and that you know, it was one of those right that pushed them to to game seven and you know without Chris Paul you didn't have that second option it was all on James Harden and it you know it it, it happened right so I think with someone like Joel Embiid, James Harden, the a little bit of the pressure is eliminated, but also 
he's James Harden, you expect him to be James Harden. You know what I yeah. mean? So, and you, you would have to, you, we, we have to hope that, I mean, in all this, like Tobias Harris, like sneaky had a pretty efficient 18 points last night and played pretty well. Um, but he didn't turn that on until halfway through the second quarter. And you know, if you were going to have, if you were going to be the guy you needed to, you need to yeah. start away, please. And thank you. Um, but you, you have, you have to assume and hope to God that, Joel's not going to be five for 17. James isn't going to be three for 17. And Tyrese Maxey is going to disappear completely all at the same time again. But again, if another team is, is putting a hindrance on you defensively, you, you got to figure out a way to make an adjustment there. And, and they just didn't, they didn't adjust to anything. They never got into a rhythm. They never figured anything out last night. And yeah. that's not going to fly. The good thing is we've only seen it one game and Playoff basketball is best of five or seven. So here we go. We hope. I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not ready to set the world on fire, but it's <laughs> also, you know, there, there are definitely concerning points that after so much excitement and, and positivity that had come out of this trade and they had been playing really well, I am just hopeful that we don't see a repeat of last night because that was sad and will make me sad and I'm telling you if if they put me in game seven situations and do these things to me I'm going to go into early labor they're going <laughs> to send me to the hospital <laughs> Jeez. it's going to be a problem I'd really prefer to just give birth on Broad Street during the I would like that that would be preferable then. yeah we could name her Broadette <laughs> <laughs> okay and you know what with that we're done <laughs> this episode is over with that thank you for listening to episode 79 of babes on broad as always thank you to sb nation and bleeding green nation um make sure you're following all of our socials as well as every social on on bleeding green nation we've got some stuff in the works for the draft upcoming in april so make sure you're paying attention for announcements with that and everything else we've got going on at bgn we've got a lot in the works and a lot coming your way so stay tuned for that